Open my lips, O Lord, and my mouth shall proclaim your praise. Please be seated. There's a familiar folk saying, you may have heard it, it goes like this. That preacher's just gone from preaching to meddling. Well, I'm not talking about the preacher today, but it does seem that what Jesus has done in today's gospel is he's gone from preaching to meddling. I mean, the gospel author Luke is relating to us a dramatic moment in the ministry of Jesus. He's talking to a large crowd that has been traveling with him, and he turns to them, and and he says something startling and unexpected. If you don't hate your father and your mother, your wife and children, brothers and sisters, and yes, even life itself, you cannot be my disciple. None of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. Jesus' words. What could he possibly be talking about? Hating your loved ones? Hating your belongings? Hating yourself? This charismatic, itinerant preacher has been gathering followers everywhere he goes. Why? Because they're, they're drawn to him. Because they think they see, because they see him deliberately feed the poor, heal the sick, encourage the outcast, and they hear him talk about care and love for one another. This is what propels the followers to follow Jesus. And this same Jesus is now telling them that if they want to stay with him, if they really want to be his disciples, They have to give up everything, everything. Give up possessions, even give up your own family members. This doesn't sound like the Jesus we know. We can almost imagine his followers at this point thinking, you know, I liked him a lot better when he was just preaching about love. It does sound like Jesus is preaching. But Jesus is not speaking in the language of daily discourse or formal instruction here. He's speaking in a mystical way. He's speaking in the mystical language of wisdom uh, and, and interpretation. As noted by the Episcopal priest and theologian Cynthia Bourgeau, the job of of parable and wisdom literature is not to confirm, but to uproot. Not to reassure, but to disturb. Not to hold on, but to let go. Jesus is not proclaiming literal hate here in this gospel. He's proclaiming the importance of letting go of the unnecessary. Where synagogue leaders and civil authorities regularly invoked the language of power and control, Jesus' focus always is to restore a suffering person, a suffering world, to wholeness in God. Jesus shows that salvation 
When I say salvation, I mean to say the restoration of right relationship with God and neighbor. When Jesus, Jesus shows that, that salvation happens not through strength and power and control, but through weakness, vulnerability, and sacrifice. And this is one of the, the great messages of Scripture. God always chooses the weak and the vulnerable to overcome the strong and powerful. That's how God does it. And that poses a problem for us, for those who want to be a disciple. We want God to choose us, of course, but on, on our terms, please. We want God to, to work His grace through us, yes, as long as it's comfortable. We earnestly want God to dismiss the strong and powerful dark forces in this world. Absolutely. If we don't have to give up something. The truth is, we've been shaped by a history and culture that value very worldly forces, not heavenly forces. Forces with names such as power, success, wealth, popularity, independence, possessions, the quest for personal happiness. These have become our, our foolish attractions, our false gods. This is the spiritual myopia that Jesus saw when he called on those followers to let go of the masks of personal success, control, and power, to release the possessions and relationships that limited their focus, to let go of their inclination to own and control the means of salvation. Because God's salvation does not come in response to a changed life. A changed life always comes in response to God's salvation. Parker Palmer is a name that might be familiar to some of you. He's a Quaker minister, an author, social activist. He wrote a small book called Let Your Life Speak. And there's a sentence in it that really speaks to today's topic, I think. Here it is. Before you tell your life what you intend to do with it, listen for what your life intends to do with you. Let me, let me just repeat that. Before you tell your life what you intend to do to it, listen for what your life, for what God intends to do with you. How do you listen? for God's voice? How do you hear God's call in your life for what your life intends to do with you? Do you hear God speak in words of, of power and might or whispers in the silence? Does God congratulate you for your wonderful achievements or invite you into a time of stillness? What does your spirit say to God when it's just the two of you?
Jesus sought out all kinds of people with whom to share his message of hope and good news. Yes, there's hope and good news in today's difficult passage. But he sought out all kinds of people with whom to share this message. Tax collectors, Pharisees, Roman soldiers, Samaritans, the afflicted, the poor, the possessed, and the dispossessed, those bent over in pain and those puffed up with pride and possessions. Jesus invites us to come with him, to come to him, to come into him, and he will untangle the bonds of heavy responsibility, personal achievement, the bonds of accumulated good, the weight of complicated relationships, the bonds that restrain us and cripple us and hold us back. If today's gospel story sounds harsh, it makes you squirm a little, and maybe makes you think to yourself that Jesus really has gone from preaching to meddling, remember this. God is ready today to act on our behalf. God is already acting on our behalf, has always acted on our behalf, and God continues to act on our behalf, listening to us, transforming our lives and the world around us, even when it's not comfortable, especially when it's not comfortable. He's making us disciples. May we all become small enough, quiet enough, ready enough to listen for what our life intends to do with us. Amen.